This is a call to those who want incredible success, but do not necessarily want to get filthy rich. You want to help others, be purposeful, and enjoy all life has to offer. Welcome to the Inbound Marketing Revolution. This is Dow of Inbound with Ion Garlic. Hello and welcome to another awesome episode of the Dow of Inbound. And I say it's awesome because of our guests. Um, our guest today has interviewed 65,000 people. 65,000 people. Most of us don't even have 65,000 fr- friends of friends on Facebook. Uh, she re- she's really passionate about stories and also about helping people who coach other people. And so she founded uh, a, the Co-Certification Alliance to help train coaches. She's worked with Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies um, on marketing and marketing research and marketing data. And recently published a book, Get Lost Girlfriend, How I Found Myself. Uh, Dr. Sharon Livingston, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you, Ian. It is a delight to talk to you, mostly if for no other reason than I am just mesmerized. I, I don't know if I told you this. I train hypnotists. I train hypnotherapists. I saw and, that. <laughs> and you have a hypnotic voice. People must just go, oh, wow, it's Ian. This is so wonderful. <laughs> yes. Hey, Sharon, I'm going to actually pause one second. I have to. When did I'm, you realize? When did you realize you had a great radio voice? I people have told me that I I uh, I worked on the phones a while ago, long time ago when I was younger, and um, and they people would say to me, "You have the best voice," and I'm like, "Okay, thank you." I never really took anything of it, but people have been saying more and more of it to me. So I I don't know. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, it makes it fun to listen. Not only do you get great information, but you get it in a palatable form. So I think that's terrific. Good for you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate the the uh, vote of confidence and the compliment. But let's talk a little bit about you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how did you come about interviewing 65,000 people? So, oh my gosh, I have a really cool origin story, actually. When I was three and four, my mother was a working mother. My parents owned a, a store. They, they were doing catering and they had, it was, it was kind of like a mom, pop, uh, grocery store. So she was never home. The only time she was home was when she was ironing 27 shirts each week. How it was 27, I don't know, but she would sprinkle them and roll them up and she'd get them ready to iron and we'd be in the basement and I'd be looking up at her, you know, with awe because, oh my gosh, my mommy's here because she was never there. And I would ask her questions and I quickly learned that if I said to her something like, I always ask this question. I don't know why I ask this question. I haven't delved into it in my own personal psychology. I say, mommy, what was I like when I was a baby? And there I was three or four, so still a baby, right? (laughs) And she would say, oh, you were cute. And then I'd ask her another question that had something about me. And I would get these really sharp, crisp answers with not much content. Then I started saying, mommy, what were you like when you were a baby? And I would start getting bigger answers. And then I would ask her another question. If I asked asked her a question that had a yes or no response, 
that was the end of the conversation. If I asked her a question that was open-ended, how did I learn about open-ended questions at age three? But I did. And so I learned how to get other people to talk about themselves at a very early age. And that way I got caring from my mother because she could talk. So the talking itself was how I got care. And as I grew up, I was a really good interviewer. Even in, in grade school and high school, I would be the one asking people questions about them. And I, while I was in college, I got a job doing interviewing, telephone interviewing for this small company where we were validating the fact that people had been interviewed. And so I started to learn skills and I actually put together a training manual for the people who did this work where I taught them how to do interviewing by thinking about a question they would really, really like to know about. And this was a group of like 25 young women, and they all wanted to know about boys and dating. So I said, well, what are the things we really want to know? And we created a list of questions, we put them in a logical order, and that became our training manual. And they had a blast. And so that's kind of how I got started. And I was a bright kid. I got good grades. And I asked myself, what do I want to be when I grow up? You know, what would be a cool thing to be? And I was the Pied Piper of all the little kids in my family. I had much older brothers. So by the time I was 12, I already had four nieces and nephews. And by the time I was 15, there were 10 or 12. And I would play with them. I would get them to do all kinds of things. I would lead them into play. And basically, that's what I learned how to do. And that's what I do in my interviewing as well. I lead people into play so they reveal deep insights with great comfort because they're comfortable in the, in the interview. And wow. And that's so powerful because you said, I mean, you said so much there, how important people, other people's stories are and, and, and and learning their stories. Um, we talk about that a lot around here because no one really cares about I mean, no offense, no one cares about your story. They, I they, know. <laughs> they, they care about their story and they care about your story in the context of their story. Um, can you tell me a little bit about, you know, what, what's your purpose behind these interviews, these 65,000 interviews? So for the most part, these were things that I've done for Fortune 100 companies where they were trying to figure out their message. What's, what, what is the need in their, consumer prospect as as well as in their current customers and how can they grow their market based on a match of what they have to offer what's their essential product offering and what consumers are looking for because that only works if it matches up you can you can fool people for a part of the time with creating some kind of shiny object but once they get it home or once they they're using the service whatever it is and it doesn't match up with what their needs are then they won't continue using it. So the purpose of the interviews that I did was to, to name things, to find out what a concept really meant to people, to, to get at the essential aspect that has to go through the whole product. Like we did, uh, oh, quite a while ago, there was a project that we did for Totino's Pizza Rolls. And I don't know if you, do you know who, what that is? Yeah, I do, yes. Okay. Well, they didn't exist a number of years ago, 
and there was Totino's Pizza, and this was Pillsbury and uh, General Mills doing this project, and they were trying to figure out what could these little things be and who for, who was their target market. So we interviewed men uh, who'd be watching the Super Bowl or sports events. We interviewed mommies. We interviewed uh, young kids from the ages of 11 through their teenagers, and it turned out that what we revealed is that this product was not just a once in a while thing. This was something that moms could have in the freezer that their boys, ages like 11 to 15 or 16, could reach in and quite easily stick it in the microwave, have it ready, and take care of themselves. And it was kind of like training wheels for doing grilling because that's how men, their dads, contributed to what people ate. And so the the very first ad, it was about freedom and independence for the kid. But also that gave mom the freedom to leave. She didn't have to be there when the kid was home doing his homework. She could grab her car keys and run out. And so it was liberating to both mom and son. Not for girls. This was not for girls because girls were already concerned about getting fat. Mom justified it to herself. You know, we make an emotional decision in buying and then we justify with facts. Mm -hmm. And there were enough like protein ingredients and the right kinds of calories in their minds for their growing boys that it was okay. And what they, what Totino's did was they maximized everything about the product to make it about freedom and independence. So even the package became microwavable itself and it crisped the little rolls. And so the ad shows a little kid, you know, 11, 12, maybe 13, the first one where he's sitting at the table in the kitchen. His homework is there and he's on a rolly chair and he rolls over to the microwave grabs his Totinos and brings them back. And it's just, it's all about freedom. He's got his first wheels in his rolly chair. He's got his grilling lessons by doing the microwave and he's all set. And, and you see mom heading out in her car to go do her thing. Wow. I love that. I love just the code that you put in there um, and finding that out. And, and it's just, that's an amazing story because it, it really is, it's about the person's story and, and telling that in so many, especially if we work with a lot of small businesses and, and you see small business and they're so concerned about, about telling about things that other people don't care about, like their credentials, et cetera, and not figuring out the story of their customer. Um, and, right. and that's, it's so vital. And when you can do that, I mean, when you, what you just did was unlock that and I'm sure, made that product super successful. Yeah, and they held on to that campaign for a long time. They recently changed it to something else, but that's because they they have different advertisers come. Every time an advertiser comes in, they have to show how brilliant they are, and they change things. And, oh, my gosh, uh, we, we create – did you ever see the Ray-Ban vampire ad? No. Oh, my God, this was the most amazing campaign. It was so much fun. I can hardly stand it. But we identified the insight around sunglasses is that people, you know how people identify with your music like during high school and college years, and then that becomes their music for all time? Mm-hmm. Well, they do the same thing with certain things like their deodorant brand. That's when they decide which deodorant they're going to use. They do it with music, and they, uh, they do it with sunglasses. And 
you, so you have to come into that world to grab them when they're young because they're, they're beginning to create their unique identity. And with teenagers, as you, I'm sure you know this, there's this need to be different, but there's the need to be part of the crowd mm-hmm. at the same time. So, so how do you, how, so the Ray-Ban brand, and can be the community, but within that, you have your your independence with style and uh, look and that kind of thing. So the the major insight was that sunglasses were kids, whether men or women, their best friend because they allowed guys to ogle a girl without the girl knowing because you can't see their eyes. It covered. It covered embarrassment, it covered anger, it covered, you know, all these raging desires, their aggression, their sexuality. So they kept them cool when they were hot. Because, you know, all these raging hormones of teenage years, kids get very hot, hot and bothered about things, whether it's from attraction or annoyance or, or, or fear. They could be trembling. And the glasses, the sunglasses, cover all of that so you remain cool in a hot situation. And so this ad is so incredibly cool. Uh, you see this jaunty guy coming out of this little town in someplace, I don't know, south of France or Italy or Greece or something like that. And he's heading towards the beach where all his friends are watching the sun come up. And all of his friends have donned their Ray-Bans. And he starts looking for his to put them on. He's still very jaunty and cool. And he can't find them. And as the sun comes up, he disappears. And you see the fangs come out of the rest of the people who were sitting by the beach. And this one guy laughs and he says, somebody forgot his Ray-Bans. And he pulls them out. He had stolen them from him. <laughs> and there was this, this was a, a, a terrific match of message because this particular uh, Ray-Ban totally blocked Rays to protect your eyes, but it also protected your integrity. Wow. Is that the coolest thing? That's awesome. I love it. Oh, it's so much fun. You know, I, it, what's fun for me is that when I watch commercials and I try and reverse engineer what they're thinking when making mm-hmm. the commercials, um, and it's, it's fun to hear the actual inside stories about them. Well, and sometimes you can be right on with giving them the, the, uh, the best uh, credit for what they did. You can be right on, and sometimes you can give them more credit for what they thought because not everybody has these kinds of insights. They make awful commercials. Oh, yeah. Awful. They have nothing to do with anything. So, for example, Ray-Ban was bought by Luxottica, and they were uh, talking about just be yourself, and that's not what it's about. It's not what it's about. They, don't, they, they want that protection. So it's a really bad match that they, they moved to. So that was that ad was used for a bunch of years. And if you go on the internet, there are still people who missed that commercial. They loved that commercial. Yeah, it, it really it really turned Ray Ban around. That's that's fantastic, and and that's important that match, um, that that story match. How I mean, obviously a small business can't hire you to go out and interview them. How would you suggest a small business find that match? So there's a really cool technique. It's called uh, chain of ben- benefit chain or laddering. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's something that I was taught when I was a puppy myself. Um, 
And what you do is you start, you want to talk to some of your, your customers. You always want to talk to some of your customers or clients. And you want to know a specific feature of what you offer that is important to them. So you start with that, and it's a, it's just a, a bunch of questions until you get to the end, and I'll tell you how you get to the end. So, for example, what can I ask you a couple questions? Could I sure. take you through it? Sure. So from what you know about Sharon Livingston and what we offer so far, what would you say is a, a unique feature that you find interesting? Uh, the the customer matching the story to what their the end result is. So what is a benefit of being able to match the story to the end result? Um, to get people to have an emotional tie to my product or service. What's the benefit of people having an emotional tie to your service? Um, they benefit will, to you. Yeah, they'll have more loyalty to us. What's the benefit of people being loyal to you? Um, a benefit to you personally? Uh, happier customers. What's the benefit of having happier customers? Um, I enjoy my work more. And I know this sounds totally ridiculous, but what's the benefit of enjoying your work? Why, why do you want to enjoy your work more? I spend a lot of time at work and I want to enjoy it. And what does enjoy mean? Enjoy means lacking stress and being fulfilled. And, yeah. <laughs> so tell me another time, having nothing to do with what we just spoke about, uh, an illustration, <clears throat> a moment in time, could have been yesterday, could have been when you were four, could have been when you were 21, where you felt a sense of stress-free fulfillment, a moment in time, that you could describe as though you were right there feeling stress-free fulfillment? Uh, actually, yesterday afternoon, uh, a friend of mine told me how much I've impacted his life in the past three months uh, and how it's changed his business and his perspective on how he handles his business. And what went through your body when you felt that? Uh, uh, calm, a sense of calm, uh, a sense of excitement. And give me one other story of calm excitement, if you don't mind. No. Um, That's almost an oxymoron, right? But it's not. I, I get it. Yeah. Well, it's it's excitement, but you're you're in the moment. Um, a, uh, I don't. I can't think of one off the top of my head. <laughs> so, or another. I'm supposed to be asking the questions. <laughs> I know. You know what they say when you, you're doing a radio interview. You're never supposed to ask the interview uh, interviewer about themselves. But you're doing such a great job. But do you see how this works? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, yeah, I love it. That's what you know. What I I call it the five levels or six levels of why. You just go why, why, why. <laughs> So some people do it that way, and the benefit chain get always gets you to an emotional end benefit. The lessons from this that we teach are that in your in your flyers, in your talk, you can say out loud the the features and the functional benefit, but you want to portray the emotional end benefit. So you might have a picture that would demonstrate stress-free fulfillment. 
you and so so stress free fulfillment for some people, for example, might be seeing someone at the top of the mountain, having climbed it, and just feeling that ah that wonderful ah being at the top. Or sometimes, if you look at our site for the International Coach Certification Alliance, we very uh, intentionally chose the image that we chose. It is the emotional end benefit that we identified when we spoke to a lot of people who wanted to become coaches. And you see this woman on the beach, her hands are up. She is, is sort of looks like a, a beach yoga girl, mm-hmm. but she feels fulfilled. She feels alive. She's reaching up to the heavens and she's drawing energy. She's, she's just in stress-free accomplishment. So it was a combination. So you said fulfillment. For her, it was about accomplishment and feeling stress-free. Wow. So, and we tested. We, we came up with a whole bunch of different images, and we tested them to see if they were a match or not. So you, you want to test. Awesome. And you, you know, you can do that on Facebook. You can do inexpensive advertising on Facebook using different images. And a, you, you want to be sure that you're testing one thing at a time. So if you had different images for stress-free for yours care stress-free fulfillment you you always have something about the message you want to uh, communicate to people with different images and you get you see which one gets the most likes it's a real simple thing to do but so so powerful right amazingly powerful that's really cool i'm gonna have to charge for this episode charge other people to listen to it (laughs) (laughs) um uh, so tell me a little bit about your your book, your, your latest book, not to completely switch topics, but I want to hear about it. Oh, gosh. So a couple of years ago, I was in a – so we live in New Hampshire now. I'm an expat New Yorker, and <laughs> the friendships I had have always been – all over the place because I travel a lot and my major friend has been my my husband who's the love of my life and also my dearest friend. But I didn't have a a girlfriend in my life for a a long time because it was hard. And with all the travel and to keep in touch and so I didn't. And this woman popped into my life who was just so cool and I had a similar feeling about meeting her as I did with my husband. There was just like instant recognition we knew each other for a few years and finally we kept ending up in the same places. We became friends. It was such fun. Oh my God, we had so much fun. And then I started realizing that there were some things that she probably didn't like so much about me. And I put on my psychologist hat and I started trying to be the therapist more than the friend. Mm. And it collapsed. The, the relationship collapsed and I was nuts oh my god it just i was so devastated no i'm not used to getting rejected usually everybody wants to be my friend and i don't have the time and here i was just like oh my gosh this is so much fun i want this friend we get up at six o'clock in the morning both of us we can text then or talk then we giggled a lot we had a lot of common things in common that we like to do we like to paint talk about psychology and it crashed and i was devastated so i started journaling about it at the same time, I was working with this incredible storytelling coach, Doug, Doug Lipman, who, oh my God, if you ever need someone to help you get your story together, he's the one to go to. He was helping me write a business book. And 
I was dragging my feet, and then I started writing this, and it took form. And as I worked through the agony of being rejected, which is not much fun, I started finding myself and finding what I liked. I didn't try to replace her, which I probably would have done when I was a kid with with a boyfriend, for example. I'd, I'd run to another guy, but I didn't do that with a friend. And I discovered my best friend, who was myself. So it's sort of the journey from rejection to acceptance of self. And I had a blast doing it. I found out that I'm a funny writer. I have, there's, there's pain in the book, but there's a lot of humor. And I have a, I added a magical element into it. I've got this, uh, imaginary friend who comes from a combination of my history and imagination who bothers me. And we have an ongoing relationship. I can only see, my dog can see him and I can see him. Glenn does not see him. So, so that's how that book came into being. And I allowed some people to read it. They loved it. I have all five star ratings on this book on Amazon. The first one from Jack Canfield that blew me away. The, I got that review on December 16th and there was a text on my phone as I was driving to a client in New Jersey at Valiant Pharmaceuticals. There's a, a text that says, go look at your reviews and it just says Jack. And so I called my admin and I said, oh, could you go look at my Amazon reviews? And she read it to me and it was, oh my gosh, it was outstanding. He stayed up till two in the morning reading it and he loved it and everybody could relate to it. It's not just about girls, you know, guys lose friends too. And he talked about how he lost a best friend when he was in his twenties and he was still holding it 30 years later when an acupuncturist identified something in his neck that he had never released and he said, what happened to you at 24? And he talked about, he was devastated because uh, he had a, an African-American friend who became a black Muslim and told him he was no longer his friend. He couldn't hang out with white guys. And he was mortified. So so this the story touches people, and including Jack Hanfield, which was totally amazing to me. The, uh, the crazy thing is I'm driving. I called one of, I have lots of friends. I called one of my dear friends that I've known for a long time and they all came out of the woodwork when I wrote this book. Everybody came out of the woodwork. They all wanted to be my best friend when they, when they read it because they identified with the pain of being rejected. And I said, um, Jack Canfield just reviewed my book. He gave me a five star rating and he loved it. And am I going to die now? <laughs> <laughs> And here I am, alive and and uh, very excited about it. <laughs> I'm glad you're alive. Thank this you. has been an awesome interview. Um, and so, so interesting, amazing story. And yeah, what I love about the book too is that it's something we never talk about is the loss of friends. Right. Exactly. A lot about losing a boyfriend or a girlfriend, but it's it's people will say, Oh, get over it. What's the big deal? It's just a friend. Well, no. She took a piece of my heart with her. Yeah. So you have to re- retrieve your heart when you lose a friend. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's really interesting because we never ever talk, we talk about loss of family, loss of pets, but loss of friends. It's it's just yeah, it's kind of there. That's awesome. Uh, is, is there an audiobook version? I'm an audiobook guy. There will be. Right now, we have the Kindle version and the paperback version, and I'm working on the audio. Are you reading it? I am. Awesome. I am. Awesome. Pe- people have told me that I should read it. I yeah. have. There's a on my website. Uh, I've got a podcast of it. If you want to 
get the book. It's really easy. If you go to getlostgirlfriend.com forward slash book with a capital B, that takes you to the Amazon page where you can get it. Awesome. And see my reviews. <laughs> That's really cool. We'll definitely put a link to that on the post and the show notes. Um, and as far, I'm, I'm so glad you're reading the, the audiobook. I love it when authors read the audiobook. Um, you know, you, you should check out like Gary V's book, Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Mike Michalowicz, uh, my la- two guests ago, Elizabeth Marshall was on. We were talking about this. It's really cool format when authors read their book. And then kind of discuss a little bit too, not just read the book. And it's, I mean, I, it's a great, great format just to throw it out there, not to throw another thing at you. I love it. What a cool thing. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. And it just adds that extra dimension because I love audiobooks. I, cause it just, you know, I can't read all the time, obviously, but there's so much free time that I pop in my earbuds and listen to a few minutes of an audiobook. I do the same thing when I'm exercising. I do a hundred flights of stairs every day. So when I'm doing my stairs, I listen when I'm driving. But yesterday I drove home from Philadelphia. I had two meetings and I like having my car. So, so I drove and I drove back and I can listen and get lots of information or entertainment or whatever. Yes. And so on that note, what are you, what are you listening to right now? What's, what's a favorite audiobook you've listened to recently? So. It's called, wait, I have to look up the name of it. I like to read science fiction and fantasy. Oh, awesome. I, I read a lot of that. I'm just looking it up on my iPhone, and I'll tell you the name of it. It's a really cool book. This one's called The Crown of Embers, and it's by a woman named Ray Carson. It's about, so it takes place sort of in a desert environment, this young woman has a godstone in her navel and these different societies fight to get godstones because they give power and it informs her of all kinds of stuff it's kind of a coming of age for her but also an adventure there's a little magic in it Um, it's very exciting there's some romance in it. it helps you to see things from a different light and all from her belly button. <laughs> wow. it's, it's a really clever device. Um, and one of my favorite all-time series is from Deborah Harkness. And she wrote, her book was, her first book was called A Discovery of Witches. It is so fun. I don't know if you like that genre at all. I love science here, fiction. Oh my God, it is so much fun. There's this woman so, so Deborah Harkness is a uh, PhD in history who teaches the history of science, and her character is a reluctant witch who comes from a long ancestry of witches. She does not want to be a witch. She doesn't want any part of it, but she can't help herself because she's got these powers, and she's key to all kinds of things that are going to happen in the world. And the um, she has found a book that only she can unlock. She She is a PhD in history also, but it's in the history of alchemy. And there are marvelous characters and adventure and romance and conflict. And, oh, my God, it is just so much fun. It's the first of three. She's writing a fourth right now. Uh, oh, and, and she writes it with a lot of knowledge. She's an excellent writer. She knows history. She, in her second book, you, you go back into the 1600s and, she identifies these different historical characters and, 
you know, one's a vampire and one's uh, a demon and there are witches and she makes it make sense. And I'm chuckling as I'm reading <laughs> it, but also just delightful. It's so delightful. So delightful. Oh, that's so much fun. That's so much fun. I don't read enough fiction. I love it. Every time I, I read a piece of fiction, I'm like, why don't I read more fiction? Uh, it's great. And uh, so, you know, we ask people what their favorite book is and you told me a few, but what's, what do you think, what's the most influential book you've ever read? You're going to think I'm crazy when I tell you this. It's a book I read when I was 15. It was an old book that I happened to come across and, um, oh, uh, it was called, uh, something darkness. The, I'm forgetting the name right the second. It was about, oh, let's see if I can find it real quick. Um, the Shadow of Darkness. Oh, Dark Universe. That's what it's called. It was called Dark Universe. And it was about a world where people went underground after the Third World War. But it's many, many years later, like maybe centuries later. And they had set up a lighting system down there, but all the lights went out. And so they had an echo chamber to hear what people look like. And they, they could tell what your features were by how the sound bounced off hmm. your, your face, your nose, your hair, your body. And they had a ritual where they would go to the priest every Sunday and the priest would stick his finger under your eyeball, which gave a shot of light. And that was experiencing light, which was God. And so there's all these metaphors and analogies. You understand what it's like to live there. And there's a forbidden zone they're never supposed to go to, which is this trail up to the, 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 the upper world where everybody else was. They were a lost civilization and people had been looking for them for, you know, like centuries or whatever. And this one brave guy goes up this trail and he goes through the forbidden zone. And he describes it as, oh, my God, what a foul smell and this horrible, incredibly awful sound in my ears as he was experiencing the smell of the, the world above and light being this horrific sound because he had no way of understanding it. It was a sense he didn't understand. And he tried to make sense out of it from what he did understand, which was a big wow to me. And also, when he comes up and finally he's beginning to adjust, people explain to him that light is not God and that they have their own sense of God. And it kind of jolted me because I'd been brought up in a religious background and mm -hmm. I had never questioned anything before. What's so funny about it is now everyone talks about God as light. So... So it's sort of back to that again. And, you know, what is light? What is God? What is the world? What is, what is the universe? And it, it just really sent me on a, an emotional, spiritual and intellectual journey of trying to figure things out for myself. And it, it was a way I started separating from my family and becoming a woman. Awesome. Wow. That's really cool. Uh, that's, I, I would not have expected that. Um, and what, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, books. Now, what's your favorite quote? Uh, <laughs> gosh. So, you, you know, what came to me when you said that is just this whole universal I am, and I don't know where they came from originally. It's, 
if I say I am, then I recognize that I exist. I recognize that I exist as part of a bigger whole, and I'm, I'm part of that. I once had this incredible experience, I've only had it once, where I was on a massage table with this guy who believed in bigger universe, blah, 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 and I had an experience of extreme bliss. I have no other word to describe it, where I felt for a minute, maybe it was a whole minute, that I was part of everything, and I felt, I felt extreme love. Like I loved everything. I don't, even, I don't know how to describe it. And that's what I think about when I think I am. When I hear people say I am, is recognizing that we are a part of something bigger, whatever that is. I don't know what it is, but we don't know what the universe is. I, I can't understand anything that never ends, and I can't understand anything that does, but I can understand I am. Wow. This is deep, deep stuff here. <laughs> heavy, man. This is heavy stuff. We could have another discussion about that as I try to find my soul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, this the last question, I say it for last because I'm sure you're going to have an amazing answer. What mindset are you working on right now for yourself? Oh, this is so crazy. Um I always go, I, I am a lesson in learning. I'm always learning more. I'm always trying to add. We, we teach co- people how to become coaches. Mm-hmm. And I feel the only way that I can do that authentically is if I'm always working on myself. And so I went to a training program um, a few weeks ago in advanced leadership studies. The people who ran it had a, an exercise, I, I work with archetypes all the time, but they had a different kind of archetypal exercise. They had 15 pictures that were on eight and a half by 11 laminated cards of different uh, iconic archetypal images. And we were supposed to pick the one that we liked best and the one that we liked least. And the one I liked best was this beautiful fluffy rainbow and la 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 la. It was just all, you know, Sweet and light and the one I liked least was this giant black mountain. It was just like formidable and it had like wrinkles in it as if a mountain could wrinkle things that were etched in these lines from winds and, and rain, but it was solid. It was unmovable. And so when we were working with the images that we chose, the question about the thing we didn't like was how how might you use that to serve you well? And I'm very flexible. I'm, I'm kind of that rainbow. I've got light energy. Even though I talk about heavy stuff, I have, I use humor. I smile a lot. I love to paint. I love colors. My office is colorful, but I need that solid base sometimes because I could be thrown off by trying to be overly fe- flexible. I'm, I'm a Sagittarius. Sagittarius are known for being adaptable. Sometimes I can be too adaptable, mm-hmm. and I, I needed that mountain. And then uh, I was doing a guided meditation in a uh, yoga class, and this image of uh, a woman said to me, I have this image of you, and she saw uh, a woman in a fluffy rainbow dress, long dress, but she was solid on the inside. And I didn't tell her about this exercise. 
And then I went back to Art of Strength. Art of Strength is a functional workout. We use kettlebells and ropes. This was just on Monday. And um, to, to, you know, a lot of planks, yoga moves and stuff. And I hadn't gone for two years. I do my hundred flights of stairs, but I hadn't done the full body thing. And I said, so, Ross, how did I do? He said, you did great. He said, no trouble with your mobility. Your mobility is fabulous. You need to work on your stability. And I'm going, knock, knock. The universe is telling me something. I've been getting the same message about how I have to blend my grounding with my flexibility three times in a period of two and a half weeks. So I found that really fascinating that I'm allowing that message to come to myself that I, uh, that my, my flexibility and mobility is terrific and I need to work on my own grounding. Yes. That, that's an interesting one too, because I've, grounding is important, especially for entrepreneurs because we, yes. we get a big vision and you still need to stay grounded. And, uh, and actually, um, I never heard it before. I just been listening to Gary V's, Gary Vaynerchuk's book. And, you know, he talks about clouds and dirt. He's like, you, you should be working in the clouds and in the dirt and nothing in between. And wow. That is so right on. Oh my gosh. That's great. Yeah. It's, it's great. But I, I love that you're, you're, you're saying that too, because it's so easy for us to get, go way up high and then forget that we need to get grounded. And, and then, yeah, and then on the other side, there are people who are so rock solid that they don't move. Yes. And you need a, you need a combination because if you're if you're that mountain and you don't move, well, maybe there's an opportunity somewhere else. And if you're not going to move at all, you won't see it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, yeah, you need to flow with it every day. I talk about that too in people's marketing and and in their business. You know, it's that Taoist philosophy of flowing. And being mm-hmm. like water, because that's that's the way. I mean, I think it's better to be more flexible and more soft because you're going to win a lot more than being completely grounded. But sometimes you do need to be grounded. Right. Really- you, you have to know what your values are and who you are and what you stand for. And if you can do that with flexibility, I mean, that's a win-win. It is. It is. Well, well Dr. Sharon, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, how, if someone wants to work with you, get in touch with you, uh, what would be the best way? So there, there are two things. One, they can always call my cell. I'm really, really good at getting back to people. Even if I have a long line of things, I do get of, uh, calls. I'll get back to people. So they can call my cell, 603-505-5000. Isn't that the coolest number of all times? Yeah. 603-505-5000. I got it totally by accident. Guy said, Hey, would you like this number? I said, you're kidding me, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'll take it. And they could also, if they're interested in coaching, they could go to find out if it's a good match or not. They could go to www.thecoachingtest.com and, uh, there's a little test that you can take and then you get in touch with us and we get back in touch. And if you want my book, I already gave you that one. So get lost girlfriend. Uh, dot com forward slash capital B O O K. Wow, that's great, well, Doctor Sharon Livingston. Thank you so much for being on the Dial of Inbound. It's been wonderful having you. Oh, you you did a great job. It's so much fun being on the other end of an interview for a change. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you so much, and everyone. Thank you so much for taking us on your journey. Uh, this is Ian Garlic, and this has been the Dial of Inbound with Doctor Sharon Livingston. 